from a young age, I knew there was a God, but I didn't really know what to look out for. I didn't know the signs. I didn't know the kind of things to look for because my dad went to church and I saw him being interested in this Christianity thing and I didn't really know what it was. And So at the time I was in school and I was making the wrong choices. I was acting in a way that I didn't want to act, but I was doing it because I was around the wrong people. So my dad invited me one morning to church and I thought church was going to be one of those big boring old places with um, preachers that just talk and talk and talk and don't do anything but talk and it was going to be really really boring. I came here to Zion and it was a completely different story. Zion was this really really friendly place but that morning it didn't appeal to me, I didn't enjoy church at all. As much as it was cool, the music was good and so was the, the preach wasn't boring but church just wasn't for me. A few weeks later I went to remixes where all like right at the start of church all the like youth go downstairs and they all meet and they have their own service downstairs and it's more it's more like it's changed to appeal to you and like the, the youth of the church. And the game changed for me when I spoke to Steve. I told him that I wanted to come to church and I wanted to be a part of this, but I didn't know how to. He asked me what I enjoyed doing and what my kind of hobbies were, and so I spoke to him about my hobbies and what I enjoyed doing. And he told me that what I do and things like that, I could do that in the church and I could serve. I do media and sound and all these things, and it's my way of showing other people what I believe. It's, it's how I express myself within the church and it's changed who I am and it's changed what kind of decisions I make in my life. It's had a massive influence over everything I do. I'm, I'm speaking to the people who, who will influence my life in a good way and my relationship with God has just gone from nothing to like out of the, out of the like ceiling. It's just like gone mental and I, it's brilliant. And like I said at the start, I didn't know what a God was and what to look for. But coming to church and serving has brought me so much more closer to God. It's changed me for who I am and what, what I want to be and like what kind of decisions I make in my life. So through serving and being part of the church, the game has changed for me. Well done, Sam. Fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I'm sharing with you guys this morning, which is great and a real privilege. Uh, I am doing the next instalment in the Game Changers series. And uh, we've looked at loads of stuff over the weeks. And this morning, uh, what I'm sharing with you, my game changer, I guess, is having good breath. Now, don't lean too closely to the person next to you, but I will move on a little bit and tell you what I mean by that in a short time. But I'm just going to say a quick prayer before I get into it. Father God, um, thank you that you are incredible, uh, that you are all-powerful, Father, that you are capable of anything and everything, and Father, you want us to be involved in that. Thank you, God, that you have got a role for us in transforming this world um, and changing not only the uh, game in our lives, but also changing the game in other people's lives. And God, I pray that this morning we will uh, leave here fully equipped to do that. Amen. Brilliant. So yeah, I am sharing with you guys, which is absolutely ace. Um, often uh, you, you uh, in a Game Changers series, we talk about the things that have changed the game in our faith, changed the game in our relationship with God. And I kind of feel a bit like I'm cheating this morning because I honestly feel that what I'm sharing is not just 
a game changer, but a matter of survival in our relationship with God. It's almost more than a game changer. Um, So I'm really excited to share. Uh, Often... I am not up here during this service. I will often go downstairs out the back with the Excel guys, which is the years eight, uh, six to eight, and we hang out. And last week, Jonathan Allen sat over there looking wonderful. Um, he ran the session last week, and we looked at something called entitlement. And during that session, we looked at um, what we want versus what we need. And at the start of the session, well, partway through, we got all the young people around. Jonathan got them to write down on bits of paper. What makes your life comfortable? What makes your life kind of uh, easier to live? And then uh, Jonathan made a big timeline with what we want at one end and what we need at the other. And the young people had to go and place onto that scale uh, what they thought they wanted and what they thought they needed based on what they'd written in their hands. Now, um, that was an interesting exercise. And it was interesting to see how much stuff we considered that we needed in our lives. Uh, there was one particular young person who shall go unnamed who had decided that the bit of pe- the piece of paper that he had with the word pets written on it, pets was no longer relevant in his mind. He scribbled out the word pets and wrote the word Ronaldo, as in the football player, and he was just sort of hanging around the end of need. Uh, and I spent the entire exercise discussing with him whether we really did need Ronaldo to survive or not. Uh, but I let him off because early Earlier on in that exercise, he'd actually said something very sensible. Um, Jonathan asked the question, uh, so what is it that we need to survive? What is it that we need to live? And this guy had said air. Pretty strong answer, I think. Um, And that's kind of what I want to talk to you guys about this morning. The absolute need for air and oxygen and breath in our lives. You see, when we breathe in, when we Uh, take in that air, our blood becomes oxygenated and our muscles act differently and work differently. Our thoughts are clearer and quicker and sharper. It enables us to speak. So it affects what we do, how we think and what we say. And on a spiritual level, exactly the same thing happens when the breath of God fills our lives. We act differently, we think differently, we speak differently. And that is what I'm wanting to talk about this morning. You see, in the Bible, when it talks about breath, it's the same word for breath and spirit. So the breath of God and the spirit of God on our lives. And when we, when we talk about the spirit of God, what we mean is the Holy Spirit. Now, when you tell people that you're going to be speaking on the Holy Spirit, you get a few different reactions. Some people are worried because it could get weird. Some people are excited because it could get weird. And other people just think it's weird. So uh, we'll see how it goes this morning. Um, But the, the basic essence of it is that we have God the Father and then Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And the three of those are personalities. They're people. They're relationships that you build with these three. And together... Just like in Captain Planet or Power Rangers, they three come together and form God. So it's kind of Trinitarian theology for those of you who are Christians. If it's complicated, Dan Bennett uh, is available at the end to have a conversation uh, and talk you through that. He is very excited about that. So this morning, we're particularly going to be looking at the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God. Um, I want to take the first section of this this sharing time, really, to talk you through my experience of, of the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit, because I think the Holy Spirit can seem really weird to some people. It's, it can kind of be slightly broken away from normality. 
And I think together, I, I, I don't want that this morning. I want you guys to feel like this thing that we're talking about, God breathing into our lives and us letting God breathe through us is actually a very normal thing. And if anything, makes us more human, not a bit odd. Um, Having said that, uh, I grew up in a Baptist church, and in my church, on a really good Sunday, there were about 30 people. It was very small. There were a few young people, um, people who I'd kind of coerced and dragged in from school, kicking and screaming. And um, the, the adults in our church were really great with us as young people, very patient, took us on outings. And uh, this one time, we went to this event, which was in Birmingham. I can't remember what the event was, but it was massive. So we're in, must have been like the NEC or something like that, huge, huge, huge event. And um, it was kind of standard Christian behavior, really. It was um, worship, talk, more worship, and a response. And during the response time, uh, there was this uh, guy at the front who said, okay, and we're just going to wait for the Holy Spirit. So it was a well-behaved teenager. I'm stood in my row in a position that looks like I'm ready to receive the Holy Spirit in my life. And um, during that time, it went quiet, and then noises started to happen. I was like, okay, I'm not sure what this is, but we'll roll with it. And then all of a sudden at the back came quite particular noises. And um, I can only describe what happened as mooing. So from the back of the room, you start to hear... Now, I, I was not familiar with that. That was not anything that I'd encountered before. So I, as a teenager, I'm thinking, I really hope other people can hear this. And I open my eye and look at the girl next to me, and she's looking at me, which is a great sign. And then other noises start, largely other farmyard animals. And these noises are coming from the back of the building. And it's like... And I, I, at this point, have no idea what's going on. And my youth leader leans over and goes, it's okay, it's the Holy Spirit. At which point, I genuinely don't know what this means. And I took away from that situation that one of the things that God equips you with is animal impressions. And so I'm there thinking, you know what, the Holy Spirit sounds great, but I just don't know that that's something I really need as a key part of my life. So I think I'm okay without the Holy Spirit for now. I'll maybe come back to that later. That's not a necessity. And uh, as I went through uh, my teenage years, I got to know God a bit more. We started hanging out. And I began to understand that actually sometimes when you ask God to breathe in your life and you ask uh, the Holy Spirit to really sort of tackle with some stuff inside, maybe past hurts, unforgiveness, some really deep, gritty stuff, that what happens is while the Holy Spirit's dealing with that stuff in you, sometimes there's an outward expression of that pain. Sometimes there's an outward sort of demonstration of what's going on inside. And that's what that was, but I clearly didn't understand that at the time. Now, as I went on and got older, I got to know God a little bit more and understand who he was. And um, it felt like there was almost like a glass ceiling in my, my relationship with God. Like I could go so far and I wanted to know him more, but I just couldn't quite get there. And people kept talking to me about reading the Bible. And actually, um, I really uh, struggled with reading the Bible at that time. I really struggled with it. And it was something that I read it and I read what was there, but it was a bit dull and there were long names and the words just kept coming and the paper was made of funny material. I just didn't get it. And so I went and found a friend of mine who I knew enjoyed reading the Bible and I said to her, look, this is something I really struggle with. I get that I'm supposed to enjoy it and say, will you pray with me? And uh, she said to me, have you ever asked the Holy Spirit to help you read the Bible? And I thought, interesting. 
that's something other than animal impressions. So I said, well, yeah, no. I mean, if you want to pray with me for that, that would be absolutely brilliant. It almost felt like I was cheating, that I was asking God to help me with something that I struggled with God. It felt like a cheat, but I was up for it. So she prayed for me. And um, in that moment, I can honestly say something happened that changed the game for me. I really can. Uh, In terms of a physical explanation of what happened... Uh, I don't know whether grown-ups do this. Uh, some of the resound guys or college-age guys might be a little more familiar with this process. I don't know if you hide under a duvet. Um, so you get your duvet and you shove it on top of you. And you just sit under there for a while. It's a great game if you're bored this afternoon. Just, you know, hang out. And you sit under there. And after you've been under there for a while, the air starts to become really stale and stuffy. And you're struggling to breathe a little bit. And it's hot and it's clammy and you're not really enjoying it. And in that moment that you take the duvet off and you breathe in fresh, cold air is absolutely incredible. Like, you almost can feel the oxygen. Or um, when you're really dehydrated and you need a drink and all you can think about is that you have to have a drink right now. You don't know where you're going to get one from. You're going to find a shop. You're going to find something. You have to have a drink. And that moment when you go to the fridge, you take a refrigerated liquid and you drink it. And all in that moment that really exists is you and that liquid. And it is so good. I don't know. You guys could be better hydrated than I am. But in that moment, that liquid is just incredible. And it almost feels like life. Um, And it felt like that. But on a much more profound level, like on a spiritual level, it went deeper than that. And it just felt like in that moment, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. There's a song about that at the moment. And uh, it felt like that that, in that moment, was all that existed, really. That was what was really real. And I felt alive. And I went away knowing that something significant has changed. That moment had been a game changer for me. And I went away and read my Bible. And I enjoyed it. Like, it took a while, but I got there. And it was interesting. And things in the Bible actually made sense to me. And I would read certain sentences and they would jump out and grab me. Um, And it would almost seem like there'd be bits of it that were written for me that day. And it kind of hit me. And as I prayed, I kind of heard this voice speaking to me that was kind of like my conscience the kind of voice that you can choose to ignore if you want to, but if you, pen, if you want to pay attention to it, you can. And that became like more often, and I realized that that was what God was speaking to me. And um, as I got more familiar with that and recognized it more, that started to happen for me on behalf of other people. So I would read the Bible, and a verse would jump out at me and hit me, but it wasn't necessarily applicable to me in that moment. So I thought, okay, I'll hold on to that. And then maybe I'd see someone or be praying for someone a week later and that verse would come back to me and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I think, I think God might, might want me to share this verse with you. Or maybe I'd be praying for someone and again, that, that voice, which was kind of like my conscience, would be speaking to me while I was praying for someone. So I'm assuming that's for them and so I share that with them. And you know what? I still do that now and get it wrong. I think there's this whole thing about, you know what? God's really breathing through you, get it right all the time. That is... Well, that's not me. That's not what happens to me. Sometimes I share what I think God is saying to someone and there's a clear look on their face that they have no idea what I'm talking about. But I think, well, do you know what? At least I gave it a go. I did my bit. Um, So I think there's a a thing there about just really going for it and trusting God, partly. Um, But other stuff started to happen as well. As I began to recognize God breathing through me, of God's breath filling me. Um, So I was on a train one time and um, I saw a car driving along the road next to the train. And this car was exactly the same uh, blue Beetle Volkswagen that my friend had. So my friend had that car. And as I looked at it, like just a really strong memory of my friend filled my mind. I thought, oh, that's odd. 
I'll just do say a little prayer and, and, and check that she's all right. So I prayed for her, sent her a text. Um, I, I think I'm supposed to be praying for you. Is everything okay? I got a phone call like a minute later. Uh, and she just had a massive car accident. Uh, her car was pretty much written off, but she incredibly got out of it and was absolutely fine. And I think some of it is learning to listen to what God's breath sounds like and having the courage to act on it. Now, I'm not telling you any of this stuff because I'm particularly impressive. Anyone who knows me will know that I am one of the least impressive people in the world. Like, I've done things this week that have been so humiliating and done, been so stupid. Oh, I, oh, I'm not impressive. This isn't anything to do with me. This is listening to God's breath and letting God breathe through you in a situation. And genuinely, if I can stand up here saying that, it means anyone is capable of it. That is honestly what I believe. But it's incredible because when God breathes into a situation, it brings life. It really does bring life. Um, And there's loads of examples of it in the Bible. Uh, If you think way, way, way back to Genesis, that God breathes and when he speaks and breathes, things come into being. The world exists because of the life that is in the breath of God. Um, God has Adam lying there, all naked, and breathes his spirit into Adam, and Adam comes to life. Uh, There's a guy called Ezekiel in the Bible, and he's really good at hearing God's voice. And his nation is in a right mess. And um, he has this picture of a valley of dry bones, which kind of represents his country and his nation at the time. And he says to God, God, can these bones live again? Can our nation be different? And God breathes, and these bones come back to life. Um, There's a story of Pentecost in the Bible as well, which is when Jesus dies and comes back to life and goes up to heaven. He was quite busy those few weeks. And then later on, the disciples are in a room locked away, and um, it says in the Bible that the sound of wind filled the house. But a translation of that is that the sound of a violent breath fills the house. And these guys meet with God so powerfully and God's breath just completely fills them and changes the game for not just them, but nations. It's incredible what God can do if we let him. And this isn't about weirdy beardy stuff. This isn't about shaking and mooing and any of that. It's about us becoming more human, more of who God created us to be in a really normal way. Um, I think some people worry about the spirit of God because they're worried that they're going to end up taking their tops off and running around or they're gonna I don't know do something weird and I think the Holy Spirit is really normal I think it can be if God's dealing with some stuff that's that there's an outward expression of that an outward kind of thing of what's going on but for me personally I've never been really shaky when I've asked God to breathe into my life I've never fallen over um, I've cried. I cry at everything. I cried at the Barclays advert last week where the guy learned how to use FaceTime for the first time and talk to his family. Like, that's just, that's more about me than anything else. Um, but the Spirit of God is so normal. It, we, we're called into the, that being our lifestyle. And it's not this weird thing that we roll out at special events, but just a normal part of who we are in our life. And I want to talk to you guys a little bit more about that. So, in the book of John, John chapter 20. Uh, The verse is going to come up on the screen. I'm just going to read that to you and then talk you through my thoughts on it. So it's John chapter 20, verses 19 to 22. And it said, That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and on his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. 
Now, if you imagine the scene, these guys have followed Jesus. They've like given up everything for the last three years to follow him. Their reputation's gone, their possessions are gone. Every, everything was back in Jesus. And all of a sudden, this guy's died. This guy has been crucified. And they're left thinking, who, who was this? Is, is this how it was meant to end? Was there more? Did we get it wrong? And so they're there in almost this state of confusion. And this lady, Mary, has said, I've seen him again. He's risen from the dead. So there's this rumor going around that maybe things aren't as they seem, but they know that the Jewish leaders are after them because they think that the disciples had something to do with the body being missing. It's a really confusing time. And they're all sat around, and all of a sudden, Jesus appears in the room. Now, that for a start would have been a shock. The fact he didn't use a door would also have been a shock. And they're sat there, and they're looking at Jesus. And two things, I think, that are really significant happen. First of all, on Jesus' first, very first encounter with them, it's not a storytelling time. It won't be you will not believe what I've been through in the last three days. It was, let me equip you. Let me give you the Holy Spirit. Let me breathe life into you. It was so vital that on Jesus' first encounter again with the disciples, this game changer takes place. He breathes the Spirit of God into their lives. I think envisioning that is quite funny. Just Jesus going, going, (sighs) amuse me. Uh, And then the second thing that I found really, really interesting that it was really important that they acknowledge Jesus, who Jesus was, before God could breathe into them and through them. You see, these guys had journeyed the whole time with Jesus. They knew he was a good man. They knew he'd done miracles. They even knew that he died on a cross. But it wasn't until they got to a point of recognizing that Jesus had risen from the dead, that Jesus had made a difference in the eternal, that Jesus was their hope, that, that that moment God's breath could really fill them. There was a moment where they looked at the wounds on his hands and the wounds on their side and acknowledged that Jesus not only died but raised back to life again. And that was their hope. And it's at that point that the Spirit of God could really go to work on them. And I find that interesting. I think there's a point that we reach with God where we kind of have to acknowledge who Jesus is before we can really let Jesus in. And I think maybe that's a challenge for some people this morning who are here not quite sure where they stand with Jesus actually or with God. But this whole thing interests you. I would ask you the question, well, who do you think Jesus is? And then for those of you who are in relationship with God, who are kind of comfortable with this Holy Spirit thing, I have another challenge for you. You see, this is in your life group notes, so you can discuss this midweek. But there's a really interesting moment in here where Jesus says, the Father has sent me, so I am sending you, and therefore receive God's breath in your life. Let me breathe onto you, into your life. And that comes as an equipping. You see, I think for some reason that I don't understand Christians are really comfortable with uh, letting God breathe through them, speak through them, heal people through them, all sorts of things in a comfortable setting. We're really happy to say, you know, God sometimes speaks to me about other people in a church context. People are really quick at the front when there's there's a prayer response to go, yep, I hear words from God, sometimes God heals me. But I don't see always that urgency and excitement in the workplace, in the supermarket, on the bus, because that's not where it's comfortable. And I really feel that God gives us those gifts and gives us those abilities, not just so that we can have a nice time, but because we're sent. And God's breath wants to breathe life into death and into bad situations. And so we go with these, and we really need to get some courage, I think, to use them where God wants them to be used. Whether that's school, whether that's college, whether that's work, home, around the dinner table. Um, A little while ago, um, I went on a mission to Cyprus. 
hard work, you know, being me. Um, myself and Andy went on a beach mission, and we would spend the mornings um, talking to these young people who were kind of uh, evangelists, I guess. So they told people about God and told people about what they believed. And we would spend time with them teaching in the morning, and then in the afternoon we would go onto the beach and just share with them about what we believed, what we thought, get to know people. Um, And during that time, I had one morning, and I did a talk that I guess was kind of similar to this. It was a kind of, you know, God wants to equip us, but equip us so that we make a difference in our communities, on this beach, with these people. And the problem with speaking, the problem with doing anything with a microphone is people hold you to what you say. Nightmare. And uh, we were on this beach in the afternoon. I was having a lovely time. I think I was sunbathing or playing volleyball or something. And this girl comes up to me really, really excited. Going, Laura, I've met this guy. And he's really interested in what we're saying. And guess what? He's got a really poorly knee. And I think God wants us to heal it. I was like, that's great. Why did you say us? And uh, she was like, well, can you do it? Because Can you pray for him? I'm a little bit nervous. I don't really know how to kind of make this normal. Okay, yep, cool, let's go. So me and this girl head out into the sea with this lad, and he's there floating with his knee in the air. And we say a little prayer for him and say, no, God, it'd be really uh, great. We really believe you want to bring healing to this guy's knee. We pray that you would heal him. And I guess I said a bit of a disclaimer. I think if I'm honest, it was because I wasn't entirely sure my prayer would work. Whenever I pray for people for healing, they get worse. Um, So I kind of said this thing where I was like, oh, you know... God, and I do believe this, that God doesn't always heal it right now. It might be that you wake up tomorrow morning and it's better. Or maybe a few weeks. And I'm thinking, I'm going to be out of the country in a few weeks, so it's going to be okay. And uh, I said this, and I, I kind of, I think, I, in, on hindsight, maybe God wanted me to say that. So he, he finished praying. You need any different? No. I was like, oh, that's what I thought. And I walked off. Went back to whatever I was doing. The next day, this girl comes up to me. Laura, Laura, I've seen this guy again. And his knee is completely healed. It's just like you said. He woke up the next morning and his knee was completely better. He really wants to come to church. And I I think I was more shocked than she was, in all honesty. But the question is, in, in these situations, how do we make what the Holy Spirit, what the breath of God wants to do in our lives, how do we make that normal? How do we make that something where it's not just in these four walls, where some things that are pretty weird happen and we kind of accept it? How is this just more human? How is this just us being who God created us to be? And I think we we get to the point where we ask the question, well, how? How do we let God breathe through our our lives and fill us with his breath? I think it gets to a point when we actually don't ask how. How? And we ask who. Because as soon as you ask how, it becomes about a function or a performance. And actually, this is a relationship. The Holy Spirit equips us, sure. But the Holy Spirit is a comforter. The Holy Spirit is someone who brings peace, who challenges us, who um, encourages us, who stands alongside us, who helps us. This is a personality that we get to know. This is a relationship And so we invite that personality to become more of a part of our lives, to influence us more. And I guess my hope would be that we ask for that influence in our lives to the point where we go, God, breathe through me. So it's not me dictating where I go and what I say and what I think and what I do, but God, I want it to be you. Um, There's a passage, just to finish, in Gideon. Leon talks about absolutely ages ago. Well, it's in Judges. It's about Gideon. And... um, I think that the verses are going to come up on the Bible. It's when, on the Bible, on the screen, it is the Bible. Oh, the heat. So, um, 
this is when Gideon's about to go to battle and he asks for God's help, God to breathe into this situation. And it said, then the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. He blew a ram's horn as a call to arms. And then uh, the men of Abizia came to him. Now that first sentence, then the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power can be translated as, and the spirit of God wore Gideon like a glove. I love that. I would love that to be a part of my everyday life. Now, the funny thing about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit will not do anything that you want it to do. So it's not like the Holy Spirit kicks your personality out and goes, get out of the way, I'm doing this better. The Holy Spirit can be resisted. So we can, just like we can ignore our conscience, we can completely ignore what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. The Holy Spirit is gentle and encourager and will wait to be invited. But if we ask and we do invite, God says, let me breathe through you. Let me breathe life into this world around you, into your school, into your family, into your home, into your workplace, into your lunch hours. It was a little while ago, and um, I went shoe shopping with a friend of mine, who was actually my mum. I don't know why I said that. With my mum. She's also a friend of mine, is the good news. Get on really well with her. And uh, we were looking for shoes, and I found a shoe that I really liked, and it was definitely my size. And uh, I picked it up and put it on, and I could not get my foot into this shoe. I was getting mad, because when I want some shoes, I want some shoes. And so I'm trying to cram my foot into this shoe, and my mum comes up to me. She'd been looking somewhere else. I'm like, Laura, have you taken the tissue out of that shoe? That was it. So I took the tissue out of the shoe and it was absolutely fine. Everything made a lot more sense to me in that moment. Um, but sometimes I think in this idea of the Holy Spirit filling us to the point where we're almost worn like a glove, the stuff in our lives, it's almost like a crammed up into the fingers so that we kind of want God to use us. We kind of want God to breathe through us in situations. But actually there's some stuff that we know needs to get out of the way before we can properly be worn. And I guess this morning, as we, we kind of come to a close, my, my questions are around, how do we become people that let God breathe through us and breathe life into the situations we go into? Through bringing peace and kindness and gentleness and love, through being people who hear God's breath in our ears that say, do you know what, that person really needs prayer. And maybe this morning, if you come here and you're, you're kind of getting to know about the whole God thing, my question for you is, who do you think Jesus is? Who do you think is this guy who died, a lot of fuss was made about, and then came to the disciples and said, here are the wounds on my hands and the wounds on my side. Who do you say I am? Uh, And so we're going to have a little bit of time to dwell on this and a bit of time to respond. And what we're going to do is in a second I'll ask you guys to stand up and I'm just going to pray and ask God to breathe over us. Like that. And uh, within that moment, we're just going to wait. We're just going to wait and see what God does. And then it may well be that a few people want to kind of step out here and get prayer individually. And that will be brilliant. We've got a team who are willing to do that uh, and pray with you and stand with you. But if you don't move forward, if you stay where you are, I really want to encourage you to keep waiting and keep receiving and just keep trying to listen to what maybe that little voice might be saying to you. Or even asking God the question, who is this Jesus guy? What is he really about? Have I come to a crossroads where I'm made to make a decision on this? So if you guys are comfortable to stand, that would be brilliant. If the band would like to come up, that's great. And we're just going to wait for a minute. I'm going to pray. And I'm just going to ask God to breathe over us. 
Father, thank you that you bring life, that you care about us intimately, that you know the ins and the outs and what we've come here with today and the stuff that's going on that we we struggle with and is difficult, our hopes and our dreams and the things that we would love to do and achieve. And I thank you that you plant those in our hearts, Father. And God, we want to invite you here. You're already here and we love that, God, but we ask for more, more of your breath and your spirit in our lives. So God, um, I just pray that as we wait to see what you'd like to do, that you would breathe over us, Father.